0: welcome to first presbyterian church of evanston this sunday's sermon was given by senior pastor reverend dr ray hilton if you'd like more information about first presbyterian church of evanston please visit firstpres good morning Our scripture reading today is from the Revelation to John, chapter one, verses four through eight, found in the New Testament section of our Red Pew Bibles on page 234. Please join me in a prayer for illumination. Prepare our heart, O God, to accept your word, Silence in us any voice but your own, that, hearing, we may also obey your will, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Revelation 1, verse 4. John to the seven churches that are in Asia. Grace to you and peace from him who is, who was, and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from jesus christ the faithful witness the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth to him who loves us and freed us from our sins by his blood and made us to be a kingdom priests serving his god and father to him be glory and dominion forever and ever amen look he is coming with the clouds every eye will see him even those who pierced him and on his account all the tribes of the earth will wail so it is to be amen i am the alpha and the omega says the lord god who is who was and who is to come the almighty This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thanks be to God. Amen. Before I begin, I I want to take a moment to express gratitude for our congregation. On behalf of my family to thank so many of you who prayed for us during this last few weeks where my mother has struggled with her health and uh, I just want you to know that your prayers are powerful your prayers made a difference your prayers were encouraging and uh, in terms of where she is in her health today we attribute that to the grace of God and the praying congregation so thank you thank you thank you I also want to thank many of you who have already submitted a pledge in support of the ministries of our church in 2022. And if you're here and you're yet to make a pledge, I'm going to ask you to please consider doing so. You could do it today, you could do it this week. We have pledge cards that are at the back of the sanctuary. We have pledge cards that are at the front desk. And for those of you online, if you would also like to pledge, you could go to the website and uh, you can participate in that way. But I just have one thing I want you to consider. Only do it, only pledge, because you believe that it is one of the ways that you express your love for God, and only do it because you believe this is where God wants you to be in terms of your, your ministry, your service, your growth, your fellowship, that this is your spiritual home. Uh, Don't do it out of any other motivation. Just do it because you believe this is where God wants you to be. So thank you for doing that. You know, as I was uh, preparing for today's reading, it it dawned on me that it, it is more than coincidental that we're reading from the first chapter of Revelation on the day that we have given Bibles to the children of our church. And as I was thinking about this practice, this tradition that we have at First Pres, where annually we give Bibles to our children, I started reflecting on my own childhood. Growing up in Jamaica, the church we attended didn't have the tradition that, that we practice here at First Prez. Instead, we all received our first Bibles from our families, from our parents and they gave us Bibles as a dual strategy it was a way for us to learn how to read and I can remember as a child my mom sitting there with me with the Bible having me learn to read but it was also then part of that strategy to help my mind to be formed by this God who has known me and loved me the third reason why we uh, used bibles as children in our, in our in our in jamaica we needed bibles for school and so there was a course of study bible knowledge that we had to read our bibles bring it to school as part of our learning and then we also used it at least the school i went to we had morning chapel services and i had my little hardcover good news bible that i carried with me so I want you to know that it makes a difference what we're doing. And many of these kids, I recognize them either from their baptism or their dedication, and many of us said we will support the parents in their journey. I want to encourage First Press to keep doing this. I want to encourage the parents, to, uh, and the grandparents, and the mentors to help our children, help them experience the blessing of reading the Bible, to whatever extent that they can read it. If they can, if they're not ready to read yet, just read it to them. But don't let the copy of the Bible that they received this morning just sit on a desk and gather dust. Revelation 1 and verse 3, I think, maybe I'm stretching it a bit, but I think Revelation 1 and verse 3 maybe gives us another reason why it's good that we're reading scripture and we're encouraging our children to read scripture. It says, blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of the prophecy. They're referring to this letter that would have been read aloud in all the churches, but they were reading it. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of the prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. Have you ever wondered why churches read Scripture aloud? As we just did, Mosilda just did that. It's because of verses like these, and in the book of uh, Ezra and in Nehemiah, where people stood and read aloud. Jesus, when he went to the temple, stood in the temple and read aloud from the book of Isaiah. It's a good thing that we're doing. And you'll see in a moment why this is so critical. So there's a blessing in reading Scripture, and there's an urgency. You see that at the very end? For the time is near. And especially for these Christians living near the end of that first century, this message, the overall message of the book, was timely for them. And if you were living in one of those provinces, in what what is now called Turkey, modern-day Turkey, if you were living in one of those provinces, even though you are hundreds of miles away from the Roman Empire, you couldn't avoid the long arm of the empire in your life, just intruding into your life. Because on the throne in Rome at that time was a very fickle emperor by the name of Domitian. And i call them fickle because most of the emperors were venerated as a god after they died domitian and two other emperors came along and said no 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 we're going to change the rules we're not going to wait till we're dead we want you our lowly subjects of the roman empire to start worship, worshiping me as a god now and in his commentary on revelation eugene boring points out that Domitian used military power to enforce the state's claim to absolute loyalty and religious veneration. In John's time, to refuse to grant divine honors to Domitian would be considered an act of political disloyalty or even treason. And so when this man, and he's a man, Deluded in his mind, but he's a man. When he appeared in public, he had trained all his minions to urge the crowds to shout, All hail our Lord. And that word Lord, kurios, is a word that is reserved for the worship of Jesus. People call Jesus Lord. He co-opted that name and said, Refer to him as all hail to our Lord and to his, his lady. Everyone addressing him in speech or in writing had to refer to this man as Lord and God. So the act of emperor worship, it's an, it's an important formality. You know, here in American culture, what, what do we do? At the ball games, we stand, put our hands on our heart, take off your hat if you're wearing one, and we look to wherever the flag is. When you're a kid in grade school— Maybe, I don't know if they still do it, but at the start of the morning, you had to stand up and you had to pledge allegiance to the flag. And supposedly, if you did that, it showed your patriotism. It showed your solidarity with your country and maybe even expressed your gratitude for what the country has done for you. And so for most of these Romans, they were polytheists, they were pagans. This was not a problem. Just like at the at the ball game. You just stand up and get it over with and sit down. So you can imagine how odd it seemed for people living in Asia Minor when the Christians and the Jews didn't go along to get along with the government. They didn't go along with the populist sentiments. You could hear them saying, what's wrong with these Christians? Are they traitors? Who do they think they are? And so these Christians near the close of the first century were in what I call a pressure cooker. And the question of the day was, who would they, to whom would they submit? Who is their king? And They were under tremendous pressure, political pressure, economic pressure, social pressure, to conform to what was the reasonable thing that all Romans were doing, just worship the image of the Caesar or face the dreadful consequences. And I'm telling you, if you went around and asked these Christians and Jews, hey, so what are you guys going to do, what are you going to do? In private, many of them would say to you, we only worship one God. We're monotheists. Our God, he's our king, not Domitian. Many of them knew that that would be a costly thing to do. So how did they handle the pressure? Let me suggest a few things from reading through the book of Revelation and just from reading historical sources There were maybe five or six different ways in which these folks were responding to this claim as to who is your king. One response was just to quit. They just did, some of them just quit. They just didn't wanna lose their nine to five jobs. They didn't wanna get called out and canceled. They didn't want their reputations to get solid. And so they just just quit. And I'm wondering, as I'm reading through Revelation, could this be the reason why Jesus said to the churches, he says, but I have this against you, he said to Ephesus, that you have abandoned, there's the word, you have quit, you have abandoned the first love that you had at first. Another response that some of them had, they just lied. So when they were asked, who is your king? They just said, Yeah, Domitian is our king. They just didn't want to be bothered with it. Just just say it and go on with your life. Another option, some exercise was just to fight. And you'll remember, you'll remember, and this goes all the way back to even before Jesus' time. You had armed groups like the zealots who found ways to subvert the Roman Empire and to fight against them. And some fight, but it was a losing battle. Obviously, they didn't defeat the Romans some tried to change the law some tried to adjust and this is what many of them did and and in fact when you read the letters to the seven churches this is what you see many of them trying to do and this is how they would have talked about it they would have said look the teachings of christianity developed in an earlier time and we're now in the 90s and in light of the modern situation We can't, we, 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 why can't we preserve, why can't we preserve the essential elements of Christianity, but combine them with the good features of Roman culture and religion? Does that sound familiar? I mean, we sometimes read the Bible and we think that's what happened to them, but I'm telling you this morning, that's what's happening to us. We're also in a pressure cooker. And many of us are under so much pressure, depending on where you work, depending on to whom you're responsible, that you're trying to say, look, you know, Christianity, it's an ancient thought thought system, and they didn't have an understanding of our modern system. And we're living in a different time, so why can't we keep the best of what we think Christianity is, but bend it to accommodate where we are? But then there was a sixth response and some were willing to die despite the pressure despite being canceled some embraced the opportunity to bear witness to the reality and the meaning of their faith in the one god and savior jesus christ and i'm wondering if this is what jesus was referring to when he wrote to the church at smyrna And he said these words, Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Beware the devil is about to throw some of you into prison so that you may be tested, and you will have affliction, but be faithful unto death. And I will give you a crown of life. Now, here in America, we may not have to worry about that, at least right now. But I know that in many countries in the world, And later on in the service, we're going to hear from one of our our partners in the ministry, where for them, faithfulness might include death. Be faithful unto death, and I'll give you the crown of life. So if you were walking the streets of ancient Turkey or Asia Minor, and you asked the question, who is your king? The response, as you can see, would be all over the map. But I'm here to say to you this morning— That the bigger challenge that the christians faced during this time didn't come from the government as horrible as that was it didn't come from pagan culture as threatening as that was i would offer to you this morning that the bigger challenge that these churches were facing the recipients of this letter this prophecy the bigger challenge came from within the churches You visit the churches of Asia Minor, and Jesus did. He said, I'm standing among you, and he has these eyes of fire, and he's seeing what's going on, and you would see that the churches then were in disarray. Some had become synagogues of Satan. Some were lukewarm. Some were more politically aligned with Rome than with the cross. Some had compromised the truth. Some were tolerating false teachers some had just become greedy it was all about the benjamins some had become spiritually cold and dead some were engaging in all manner of corruption and some were paying lip service to their faith the real challenge was not outside the real challenge was inside and so from the isolation of this island of patmos jesus gave john a word to help the churches overcome overcome. And you know, listen, if you read the book of Revelation, that word occurs over 17 times. It means to conquer. It's from the word, that word, literally from that word, we get the word nike, nikao. It means to conquer, to overcome. 17 times in the book, the saints are being told, you need to overcome. Stand fast against the forces that wants you to capitulate. So how did this letter help them? Well, you gotta read the whole letter, but even in just the section we read this morning, you see the big vision, right? The big vision, the majestic vision that comes from God, where, where Jesus says to this troubled, tired church, churches rather, he says to them, grace and peace to you from God. And I just love this line, because it speaks about the eternity of God, the God who is, the God who was, the God who is to come, the God who is over all time. And then from the seven spirits. The seven spirits there might be referring to that that perfection of the Holy Spirit. So from God, from the Holy Spirit, who are before His throne. And then the letter helps them by giving them a vision about Jesus. Verse 5 says, And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness. And that's important to know. Because Jesus had to stand before, before Herod, Jesus had to stand before the Sanhedrin. Jesus had gone ahead and demonstrated what faithfulness looks like. He is the firstborn of the dead. He's not the first person to die, but he's the firstborn of the dead. He's the first person to have died and was raised again from the dead and is still alive. And that is important, brothers and sisters and the ruler of the kings of the earth think about that jesus rules over every president over every prime minister over every sheikh over every so-called ruler over domitian he is the ruler of the kings of the earth and then he puts the spotlight as as, as, as the spotlight shines on jesus Domitian begins to fade. And I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, the real challenge for us as we live in this empire, as we live in this Western culture is will we have the ability to keep our eyes on Jesus for the church to thrive, for the church to endure? We need to know that Jesus, Messiah, is not dead. Friends, he's not dead. We don't have to wait till Easter to talk about him not being not dead. Jesus is alive. He's not absent. He's not hidden. He's not silent. He's present among all the churches. He's present with the churches in the Congo. He's present with the churches in Haiti. He's present with the churches in Egypt. He's present with the churches in Palestine, in Israel, right here in America, right here in First Press. With all of our hardships, Jesus is here. And Jesus did something that no political party can provide. And I'm not ashamed to say it. I'm not ashamed to say it this morning that I'm not looking to what's coming out of the White House to save America. I'm looking to the cross i am not looking to the politics of america or the politics of jamaica to make a difference i'm looking to the politics of jesus because jesus did something that no government on the earth can do he proved his love for us by dying for us freeing us from our sins cleansing us from our sins by his own blood and because he's king He says, I'm going to make you part of my kingdom. We don't need the Democratic Party. We don't need the Republican Party. Those are fading systems. But the kingdom of his Christ and his God will endure forever and ever. And he says, you are part of that kingdom. Why settle for something so insignificant as a political process? We are priests serving his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. John wants the church to know that this king is coming back. You see, when Domitian died, that's it. When the Caesar died, that's it. When Jesus died, he rose again from the dead. If you go to the book of Matthew, you go to the book of Luke, you go to the book of Acts, you see Jesus ascending to the Father on a cloud. And the angels came to the disciples and said, hey guys, why do you stand here looking up in the sky? This Jesus that you see ascending to God will come again in like manner. And John says, look, he's coming with the clouds, not the cumulus clouds you see in the sky. But he's coming the clouds there represent the glory of god he's coming with the glory of god he ascended on a cloud of god's glory and he's coming in glory and every eye listen friends every eye will see him not just the eyes of the christians every eye domitian's eye is going to see him Every human being will see him, those who pierced him, those who rejected him, those who spat upon him, those who said, Lord, I'm too busy, you're not relevant anymore. Every eye will see him, and all the tribes of the earth will wail. Regret. So it is to be. And John then reminds them again. I'm the Alpha and the Omega. A to Z, first and last. The Lord God, who inhabits eternity, who is, was, is to come. And then this line, the Almighty. Pancrocator. Pantocrator. The Almighty. Ruler. King absolute sway in control of everything and so on this sunday morning where we celebrate christ our king we too must answer the question because we are also in a pressure cooker friends we're also in a pressure cooker we're living in a time when many are quitting the church they're you know is a fancy word these days they're deconstructing their faith many today are adopting and accommodating and sort of moving the the the, the theology of our faith in different ways so that it harmonizes, it doesn't offend, it doesn't turn anyone away with the values of our culture. The church in the West is struggling. It's not because we don't have money, it's not because something is wrong with the music. The church is struggling, not because of political pressures. I hear people saying, oh the government is persecuting us. You don't know what persecution is like. We're struggling, I will say to you this morning, because the Empire has greater sway in our lives than Jesus, our King. We're struggling today because we've forgotten how much he's done for us, that he loves us, and he's washed us, and and, and we've forgotten that we're members of a greater kingdom, and we have a mission to reach others. We've forgotten that he's coming again. And we're thinking that America is our dream, and it's not our dream. He's coming again. And so I pray that these words will provide sustenance And direction for our church in this time as we seek to go forward as we seek to serve christ in these distressing times we keep our eyes on jesus the author the perfecter the almighty in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit and god's people say amen 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 amen. would you pray with me lord god thank you so much for this day Thank you that you reign. Thank you that we don't have to fear. We we should never fear those who can kill the body. We should fear the the one who has control over the body and the soul. And Lord, may you infuse within us, O God, a fresh vision of your son Jesus so that we can then shape our lives around the cross. And we pray this in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.